194, thanks. I was really struck this morning in our time of worship to think of the Lord as coming to the cross as no accident that this was a divine plan it was the Father's will it was something that like we had earlier stands at the center of all eternity eternity past, eternity future and it's our blessing and our privilege to remember it in the breaking of bread and the drinking of the wine but God never forgets it you know, we had uh, in verse 5 of hymn 194, Lord and Savior, we remember somewhat of thy love. All its fullness do thou teach us from above. And that's really the desire. We don't understand it all. And we are quick to forget and apt to forget. But that's the beauty of this time of remembrance, that we can reflect on the Lord's suffering on, there on the cross. We can reflect on the depth of His love and His willingness to die and all of His glory. And that as we reflect, we're brought further and further into the mind of God. Because, like I said, God never forgets. He knows the fullness of Christ, like we never could, of course, being that they are both a person of the Trinity. And so I thought I could just speak a few minutes on Isaiah 53 as this perfect picture of the way the cross stands at the center of all eternity. And so if you'll just bear with me just a little bit to talk about the structure of poetry we can see in the structure of this song this beautiful image that Christ's death on the cross, though confusing to everyone who looked on at the time, was not an accident. It was carefully planned and designed before time began. And we'll always be singing of the Lamb once slain who lives forever and ever. Isaiah 53 actually begins in Isaiah 52, verse 13. So, this song, sometimes these songs are referred to as the servant songs in Isaiah. There's several of them. And so this servant song is the one that we know the most. Our hymnal is filled with little phrases from this song. The New Testament is packed full of little clips out of this song. Peter, I think especially, really loved it. And continually his mind was going back again and again to this song. But I think it confused people. I think they didn't really understand it. You have someone like the Ethiopian eunuch who was clearly someone who loved God, he wanted to worship God. 
he had come to find that the God of the Jews was the true and living God. But he was very confused as he read this song. So, we know because of the Spirit's revelation more about what it means, but we don't know everything that it means. And we can pray that God would bring us further and further towards the center so that our priorities could line up with His. So as I mentioned, the song begins in Isaiah 52, verse 13, and goes to the end of Isaiah 53. Fifteen verses long. Five stanzas of three verses. Okay? So, this song has five little groupings of three verses. And you can maybe even look at that in your own Bible and mark it. The first stanza is the those last three verses of Isaiah 52. The next stanza is verses 1 through 3, and so on. We are often most concerned with the middle three stanzas. You notice that? So in other words, we know most about the second stanza, where it says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. We know a lot about the third stanza, verses 4 through 6. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Oftentimes, we'll turn our thought to the fourth stanza, verses 7 through 9. Like a lamb led to the slaughter. But we don't pay attention as much to the first and the fifth. Now in Hebrew poetry, it's very common to have kind of a nesting structure. Have you ever seen like a set of salad bowls? where you have the big bowl, and then inside is a littler bowl, and inside that is a smaller bowl, right? So Hebrew poetry would oftentimes have that kind of structure where you would have these five stanzas, one, two, three, four, five, and the first and the fifth share something in common. And then you come, the second and the fourth are connected. And then at the very heart, you have the third stanza. And this is the structure of this servant song. And we're not going to go into huge detail, but there's beauty in the idea that in the mind of God, He worked in the spirit of Isaiah to express this beautiful image that the cross stands at the center of all eternity. Here's why we see that in this this particular example. Notice in verses, the first few verses, stanza one and stanza five. Everything is resolved. Everything is clear. The mind of God is revealed. The song begins by God saying, Behold my servant. This is in verse 13. He shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. This is speaking from eternity past, as if God is looking forward, saying, Behold, my servant will be lifted up one day. 
Now, of course, it goes on to say the kings are confused, they're astonished, they've never seen anything like it. But God knew from eternity past that His servant would accomplish this great work. Look at the last stanza. This is verses 10 through 12. Here we see God, in a sense, looking back and saying, for example, in verse 12, He poured out His soul to death. He bore the sin of many. This is Him looking back from eternity future, looking back to the cross, saying, this work was accomplished. He fulfilled my will. And what happens is, on, if that's the bracket, if the, those two stanzas kind of stand at the outside, we take a step in to stanzas two and four. And here we begin to see what exactly was it in the mind of God for eternity past, eternity future. And there's where we see this one despised, rejected by men. There we see this one who was like a lamb led to the slaughter. So we see this suffering servant. But then, as if we're entering into the holiest of holies, right? So the temple is shaped in the same way. You have the outer court. Then you have the holy place. And then you enter in once a year to the most holy place. It's that same structure. And so if Isaiah 53 is the temple, in those outer courts we see the purposes of God. Then we take a step in to the holiest place and we see the suffering Lamb. But then we come to the middle part, verses 4 through 6. And in fact, we come to the very middle of this song, which is verse 5. In fact, verse 5 is the center of all eternity. Verse 5 is as He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with His wounds we are healed. This is the center of all eternity. And the Jews had no idea what this was talking about. It was hidden from their eyes. But not God's eyes. God knew. And so He's given us this song as if to say, step in to the center. Come into the center. As we break bread, that's what we're doing. We're leaving behind these things, these different pressures of life. And we're stepping in like the high priest would step into that holiest place. And we behold the purposes of God accomplished by Christ on the cross. It's no wonder that our hearts keep drawing us back again week after week. May this be true of us. May we be captivated by the thing that captivates the angels. May our hearts be captured by what the prophets desperately longed to understand but couldn't. Isaiah himself didn't know what exactly he was writing about. But may our lives be obsessed 
with the obsession of heaven that it might transform us to be more like Him and reflect His glory. Amen.